This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, TJ Peterson and Alex Lopez. Joining us today, Sports writer for the Miami Herald, David Wilson. David does a great job covering the Panthers, so we thought we'd have him on to uh, to chat a couple of weeks ahead of the playoffs. David, thanks so much for hopping on with us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. So we just want to talk about this team for a moment from a journalistic standpoint and what it's meant to the to the Herald, especially the sports section, that this team is finally doing well, like actually doing yeah. well. <laughs> and hopefully this continues into the future for both the podcast and the Herald sports section. But what, what has it meant like so far journalistically that this team is actually doing extremely well and garnering interest? Well, it means we can cover them kind of like on a full-time basis again. Um, you know, still not as intensively as we cover some of our other teams in South Florida that have, you know, uh, both bigger fan bases and more entrenched fan bases. And, you know, it's, it's, int- it's weird because the, the Panthers are up in Broward and we care much more about Dade. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I basically, uh, I got to the Herald. I was part of like the hires after a couple of the guys left for the athletic. So I never overlapped with George and I guess George actually, cause he'd gone to Columbus, George Richards yeah. gone to Columbus before, <laughs> but you know, so he was the last like full-time Panthers beat writer. And, you know, for basically, I guess three, three, the last three or four years, you know, it's been kind of like by committee, a lot of freelancers, you know, uh, the me and, and Jordan McPherson, our Marlins writer, have kind of doubled up on it uh, over the last couple of years here. So, um, but it's been fun to cover it full time. And, you know, I'm, I'm from the Northeast, so I grew up watching hockey and all that. So um, I, I feel like I was as qualified as anyone at the Herald to, to jump <laughs> in and cover it. And, you know, like we're seeing more interest, right? It's still not, still not the heat or the hurricanes or the dolphins, but there, there's enough to, to, you know, I mean, you look at the crowds there every night. There, there's people interested in it in a way that, that literally has never happened before in South Florida, at least not since 1996. Mm-hmm. And I do want to point out, since you kind of brought it up, we can remember a time where the Sun Sentinel had a beat writer for the yeah, Panthers. Yeah. The Herald had a beat writer for the Panthers. Even the Palm Beach Post, none of them currently do when they're having their best regular season in history. So this is a, a call to arms Make sure you click on David's articles about the Panthers so that they yeah, see the page doing views. It. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they're, they're some of the best anyway. So like I would already recommend it, like especially the stuff about Bobrovsky. I appreciate that you're you're using the uh, fancy stats, which is yeah. not always something that you can count upon like a, a newspaper reporter. Oftentimes they'll just, you know, go to old reliable goals above average or, you know, save percentage, which save percentage has some use, I think. But yeah. 
I like the advanced stats. Obviously, yeah, I, I like writing about him because he's so like it's so he's the like he's so hard to evaluate because it's like <laughs> the things he does well and the things he does terribly. Like it's it's like an alter. It's kind of like the old like Russell Westbrook thing where it's like uh-huh. does he does the good outweigh the bad with him? And that's it's kind of Bob's like the hockey version of that in a weird way. I feel like. I think that's actually a really good analogy or even the Allen Iverson of yeah, exactly. uh, the modern day. And it's like, Hey, his numbers are really good in terms of basic stuff. But then like you look a little deeper and it's just like, yeah, his rebound control is pretty below average for a guy with two Vesnas. He, he gives up the, what the fuck goal way too often. Yeah. <laughs> like That's the dichotomy of Bob. It's like, he makes uh-huh. the best save you've ever seen. And then 10 minutes later, he'll just like knock a puck between his own legs or something. I, I just need something clarified very quickly. Since when is Allen Iverson not good? Oh, no, Allen Iverson's good, but it's always, I, that's why I like the Russell Westbrook comparison more. Because, yeah. like, for so long, he was like, is it actually good that he's doing all this triple double <laughs> stuff? And, yeah. But it is but, the same thing with AI. Like, if you go back, like, his shooting percentages and all that were terrible. He was just doing so, getting so much usage, just so much volume. Like, go back and look, look at like some of the advanced stats they've come up with for basketball. And like how they've applied him to Allen Iverson. And it's just like, oh, this guy, because of, you know, he was small and because he was flashy and because, you know, he was a walking sound bite, like he was just blown up to mythical proportions. And he's like, he's just pretty good. And unfortunately, this guy, Cole Anderson, just got hired by the Flyers this season because earlier this year, he was putting out his like expected rebound adjusted <laughs> data. And it, it showed that while Bob was like at the time, I think he was like top five and goals saved above expected. Mm-hmm. When you factored in that a lot of the great saves that he was making were coming off rebounds that he yeah. gave up. Yeah, that that put it into perspective. And it's like overall, the body of work is still positive and you can't be anything but happy with it, especially after we saw two pretty poor seasons, like even below league average, not even just like yeah. disappointing for $10 million. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't dove as much into the rebound control stuff, but yeah, you can, I mean, that's obviously one of his, his weaknesses. And you know, the thing with Bob though, also is like, other than Vasilevsky, is there another goalie in the division you trust more than him? Like it's pretty, it's a pretty like weak division in terms of goaltending. So it's, you know, the way the playoff format works now, like they're not going to necessarily run into a goalie who I think, or a team that has a way better goalie situation than they do. Well, David, it's interesting that you asked that question. Is there another goalie in the division you would trust more than those (laughs) two? Because you recently wrote about Spencer Knight, didn't you? I did. Yes. Maybe that's the one you trust more. (laughs) So yeah, why don't you, uh, because that's that's a really great segue into into that. So why don't you give the highlights of that article? Maybe uh, garner some interest in uh, in some extra clicks from our listeners. Tell us uh, why Spencer Knight maybe is one of those goalies that you might trust more than Bob. Well, just because he's been awesome since he got back from the American League, basically. Um, you know, if you look at his full season numbers, Bob's got him beat basically everywhere. But in the last space, he got back, I think, March 7th, I want to say, was his first game back, uh, his first start after the All-Star break. And, you know, if you look just like the basic numbers, like we were saying, the not fancy stats, if you go back to the beginning of March, I think he's got the fifth best save percentage among all goalies in the NHL um, with like 10 starts, I think is the number I put on it. Um, so, you know, since he got back from that stint in the American League where he, fought, you know, he had, it was tough for him at the start of the year, right? He's been a starting goalie his entire life, um, and he was a clear backup because Bob was really good at the beginning of the year, and you could, you know, he struggled, right? He's, he, his number, I think he was under 900 save percentage until 
the new year, at least uh, maybe even until the all-star break. I don't remember the exact date when it, he kind of got over that threshold. Um, but yeah, once he, he went down there and he started playing a lot, got clearly got back in his, his groove. And, you know, since the all-star break, he's been awesome. And um, he's now up to second in the NHL in high danger, save percentage against high danger shots, which, you know, that's kind of Bob's strength, right. Is denying some of those breakaways. And if Spencer is better than Bob at that, then there's not a whole lot that he is worse than Bob at basically, <laughs> I guess, because he's, he's got him beaten at least in the second half of the year, you know, it's still smaller sample size, obviously uh-huh. and he's young and, you know, he, he turns 21 on Wednesday. I don't know what day this, or Tuesday. I don't know what day this goes up. Um, but Tuesday, you probably. know, yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of, I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago too, when, when Bob was, it was after the two games where he got pulled when clearly his worst little like two week stretch of the season, it was like the, the, the dilemma that the Panthers were going to face is do you want to go with the guy who's got the better track record has had overall a better season or the guy who's gotten hot down the stretch. And obviously there's seven games left. Things can change. And Bob has bounced back really nicely since uh, that, that little week he had there when, he was pretty terrible. So it's, it's not as cut and dry now. Like that's the difference between the two guys, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting dilemma. I, I wrote basically today is like when your strength of your goaltending is that you have two pretty good ones. Like how do you make that work in the playoffs? Cause you want to roll with one guy. We saw it was not ideal. I don't think last season, the Bob Drieger combo as we obviously saw that. And they kind of have a similar potentially situation they've been every time I've asked Bruno he's basically said like Bob's our guy until further notice um but you know come playoff time you want to make sure you're making use of all 23 guys on your roster or whatever so it's going to be an interesting situation they have to balance I think I mean I think the obvious answer is exactly what happened last year and I know it didn't work out because literally two your your first you know trigger and Bob yeah. both shit the bed and you had to go to Spencer Knight but like it's Bob yeah, Snedd. I don't think Jonas he... Johansson is getting in the playoffs this year. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Bob's net unless he gets hurt or he just completely shits the bed in games one or two, and the Panthers, you know, they have to make that change. I don't think Bruno's going to have any issue making that swap. Yeah, it's clear they have confidence in Spencer. I mean, he's gotten probably the easier set of starts in the second half of the year, even though his numbers are better. But like you said, like mm-hmm. he was awful in the first half. I think he was like the second worst goals above expected that uh goals above expected goalie in the nhl for the most of the year so he seems to be in a groove and goaltending is it's it's, you play the especially when you don't have vasilevsky you play who's hot i mean how how many how many times have we seen teams long playoff runs with their backup goalie you know taking the net in like the middle of the second series and you know then you switch back to the goalie you know your starter after a bad game or two like and I don't think Bruno's going to be have any issue at all going tonight if necessary. And you don't even have to go back that far to find an example of that. I mean, Pittsburgh, yeah. Flurry Murray, that was in a post and swap. <laughs> and then directions. Matt Murray won a cup. Yeah. Yeah. Murray took over the, fir- the first year and then rode them to a cup. Then the next time around, Murray was struggling. Flurry took over in the middle of the playoffs and Murray finished. And then Murray came back and finished it out. But yeah, it happens all the time. And the Panthers should absolutely be a team who's not married to their number one goalie. Yeah, it's anyway. not the, what's the quarterback thing. If you have two, you don't have one. That's definitely That's right, not the yeah. case in the hockey playoffs. <laughs> right. And uh, you know, I know, I know in South Florida, it's a lot of people getting into it the, for the first time, right? We haven't had a lot of playoff runs to really pay attention to. So, I, don't know, I think it might 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 trip some people out when they're switching goalies back and forth, or, or yeah. mention Bob and Ryan Knight for a series, then switching back. 
So I was asked a Christopher Gibson Stan account. <laughs> I was asked yesterday by a family member if Luongo was still on the team. But hey, they were at least asking about the Panthers. Technically, so yes. That's yeah. I, he'll be the e bug, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah. get him in there. Come on. It honestly wouldn't be the worst idea to give him. Well, actually, I don't know if they can because of the whole cap recapture thing. But that's actually, I mean, there's worse third goalies out there than uh, Luongo that hasn't laced him up in two years. I do wonder if that's, like, even a possibility. Like, say Bob and Knight are both down in the playoff. Like, can you bring Roberto Luongo in for a postseason game if something happens catastrophically to Bob and Knight? Yeah, I don't know. Has an e-bug ever been needed in a playoff game? I'm not sure about that. It feels very <laughs> unlikely. Well, yeah. I actually do know the answer to this. It's not an e- it's not the e-bug situation that we're used to with you know Dave Ayers coming out of the uh, out of the stands in the playoffs. You are allowed, allowed to, to have use the third goalie, yeah. right? The That's third goalie. It's like the old NFL rule where it's like you're only allowed to put the third quarterback in if the first two get hurt. Right. It's the exact same situation here. You can only go to your third goalie if the first two get hurt. That makes sense. The more you know. But, but the question is: Is Johansson uh, healthy? Because I know he got injured. He's been, he was, he's on this road trip right now. So I think he's, yeah, he's been okay. skating the last little bit. So he's, it seems he is healthy now, but obviously I don't expect to see him play a game unless yeah, no. everything is clinched and they like start me at center. <laughs> Waste some up. Oh, so breaking news, David Wilson has signed a one year contract <laughs> with the Florida Panthers. Incredible. Congratulations, David. Amateur yeah, hey, tryout. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta learn how to ice skate first. <laughs> I was gonna wait a minute. You're from the Northeast, like hockey, and don't know how to ice skate. That's gonna be an uh, issue, David. Yeah. Yeah. I never played it. I wasn't waking up that early. And I'm from Maryland. It's like sort of the Northeast. I'm not yeah. No, Maryland, Maryland is not hockey. I'm not Maryland from Mid Atlantic more than yeah, Northeast. Yeah, you can't fool us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I can't think of anyone I ever played hockey with. It's like, yeah, I'm from Maryland. The most notable hockey player from actually my high school is Jeff Halpern. So we got one. That's hey, not bad. That's a yeah, not yeah. bad. Cap- captain for uh, uh, the, was he ever the Lightning captain? I know he's the Caps captain, I think, at one point. But yeah, the most notable hockey player from where I would have gone to high school had I not left Chicago, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, oh my god, his name just just escaped me. I was with the Bruins for a long time. Uh, John Moore, John Moore, John Moore from uh, I believe he's from Winnetka, Illinois. The John Moore, that's my big claim to fame of the Evgeny Dadnov not trade. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very true. I, a, a buddy of mine from work is actually like childhood friends with John Moore. And he was telling me when the Bruins were in the cup a few years ago against St. Louis that John was like going to invite him to the cup parade and his day with the cup if the Bruins pulled it off. Ooh, and then they didn't. And my, my, my work friend was very upset. <laughs> So that's, that's my uh, hockey claim to fame <laughs> on the contingency that I never moved out of Chicago. So, bit complicated. <laughs> so, David, I, I want to ask you something else here about, uh, about your work, and that's goaltending battles aside, what has been the most interesting storyline from the Florida Panthers that you've enjoyed covering and writing about? It's a good question. Um, I, I think kind of so everything this year. And uh, kind of, well, and some of it's been like easy, right? It's been like, oh, they're really good. Like, mm-hmm. wow, they've got four really good lines. Like, it's it's fun every once in a while to write about like the third line or the fourth line or whatever. And everyone loves Ryan Lomberg, right? Oh, so yeah. you got you got a couple guys on like, but I'll say the one thing, you 
know, we're still not in the locker room, so it's a little hard to get like some like uh, you know, like how do the lines build a chemistry kind of thing. Like you hear all those like you know, like nicknames and all that like fun classic hockey stuff. Um, you know, I've I've liked writing about like the defense kind of, and I'm trying to figure that out because I think that's another thing that's interesting. It's like when you're this good at offense, what does your defense need to do? And I just think they play interest hockey in such a, you know, they they it feels like they're almost like playing a different sport sometimes in some of these other teams you watch on like uh, just on the TNT game or whatever, like just the tempo, the pace they play with, you know, covering the whole Huberdo. Yeah. I wrote a story about Huberdo ahead of the uh, all-star game that I, I enjoyed reporting out, talking to some of the people from his, um, you know, kind of where he came from. And he's such an unorthodox superstar, I think is how I described him. And, and he had kind of an, un, you know, late, a little bit of a late bloomer. And I, I, I like, you know, I have never covered hockey before, so I haven't had to like write about the whole like OHL and QMJHL, like all the the juniors and all that stuff. So it's been fun to kind of like dig into some of these guys' histories and I think kind of get to profile a couple. Like I did a kind of similar thing with Mackenzie Weeger the other day. So it's it's been fun to like kind of write some of those like featurey profiles about some of the guys there hasn't been a whole lot of negative like to write about and a whole lot to like analyze necessarily about like what's going wrong because so much has gone right that it's been you know i just think they have so many incredible stories of guys who have you know it's been the whole bill zito mo right is plucking these guys who either had like a deficiency somewhere else or were overlooked somewhere else and and watching them blossom i think just that whole through line has been fun to write about with this team. Yeah. It's kind of the point where it's like, if you're, if you're writing negative things about this Florida Panthers team, you're just that guy who's (laughs) looking for something. You're just trying to be that guy. Like we're we're seeing it on social media where like people are just looking for something to pick the Panthers about. It's like, Oh, well their defense is only league average or they haven't really been tested. They haven't faced adversity. It's, it's, it's all just nonsense. And uh, you kind of touched on it when we, with the defense. It's like, what do you need the defense to do? What do you need the goaltending to do? You just need it to be league average because your offense is an absolute wagon. And speaking of which, there's a stat tweeted out by Dmitry Filipovich yesterday. As of yesterday's game, the Panthers have scored six goals or more, more times than they've scored three or less. That is absurd. Like absolutely absurd that you know and just just not to read the oh, i'll read the whole second doesn't take too long they've been shut out not once this year they've been held to one goal four times two goals nine times three goals 15 times four goals 16 times five goals 14 times six goals nine times seven goals five times eight goals once nine goals twice they've scored five goals more often than they've given they scored two these are ridiculous offensive numbers. This is stuff we saw back in the 80s, and the Panthers are doing it in 2022. So, yeah, B-League average defense and goaltending because the offense is a fucking juggernaut. I'm doing a quick thing here. Uh, I'm trying to find the average goals per game this season. It's like so 3. I can point carry yeah. off of that. And the Panthers are at like 4.2. It's also the league average goals goals for per game is three point zero. It's basically three point one. Three point one goals per game. And then uh, the, the Panthers, Panthers are at like average is four point two. Yeah, yeah. I think it was five thirty eight so the other day. They, they, at that time, the Panthers were the sixteenth best offense in NHL history. Like when you compare it to the like the number above league average, they were. So it's 
you know, obviously like some of those, like we were saying in the eighties when teams were scoring, it was just more, more common to score four goals a game back then. So uh-huh. yeah, they're historically good. Oh, yeah. and we all remember good. the Edmonton Oilers dynasty of the eighties for all their shutdown defensemen and, you know, <laughs> defensive players, you know, we all remember that, that, that that's definitely how it works. Well, that, that was the flip side of this uh, five different game. style of game. Like, the idea was like, yeah, that now you have to win with defense. But if the league, because scoring is way up across the league, obviously the Panthers are at the forefront of that now pacing the league's uptick in scoring. But, you know, is the sport maybe shifting back to where you, you know, for the last 20 years or whatever, it's been defense wins championships. And can it get, is it, is it going to split back now as offense is, is back on the rise? So I think one thing that I'm very excited about that is the NHL is a very reactionary league. We we know this. We see this time and time again. Should the Panthers go on to win the Stanley Cup, I am currently knocking on wood, the league is going to react. And the teams are going to start saying, oh, well, look at what worked for the Panthers. They kind of shucked defense. They're, they didn't, but whatever. For the sake of this high-octane offense, maybe we should all do that. And that's going to slowly become the norm again. And that's a very exciting cyclical yeah. evolution to the modern game. Yeah. It's just good for the sport. The, the main thing that they prioritized was transition scoring. So if yes. we all of a sudden get a game, that's like going 200 feet every five seconds, imagine how good the product's going to be. I mean, that's what we said about three on three. Once they first brought it out, like the, the pace of play was just so ridiculously fast. Like you were getting a scoring chance every 10 seconds. We could get that at five on five if the Panthers are suddenly the model that the league is copying. Yeah. And suddenly these these Panthers seven, four, seven, five wins aren't so uncommon in the league anymore. Yeah. I, a couple of things real quick. Um, I do want to mention that at the same time that the Panthers have tightened up their defense since the uh, trade deadline, they're in the top quarter of the league in every defensive metric, expected goals, Corsi, everything. And the league is actually experiencing more scoring at this time. So goals are going up in the rest of the league. Maybe the Panthers is just stabilizing and everybody else is going up. So they look better relatively, but you know, at a, at a time where scoring is exploding, the defense for the Panthers is getting better. Yeah. The I think they're up to just 11 yeah. in the league in goals against now, but yeah, the schedule has been kind of a little soft. I would say is the one thing. That's what I was just yeah, saying, sure. David. Yeah, yeah. Like the one, the one caveat to me going over the moon about that is they have had an easy uh, an easy schedule since the trade deadline that probably has something to do with that but i think the broader point is the defense is not bad right which i think you can win with a league average defense and they're they're above league average i think like i say uh like i've said every podcast since the rumors started if they trade for claude Giroux. The MO on the season is I dare you to try and score seven on us. So far, no one's done it. <laughs> That's just, all I'm saying. Just real quick. Currently, the Panthers are 130th all time in goals scored in a season with 314. Obviously, they have seven games left. There are two teams ahead of them all time uh, that happened after 1995. The 95-96 Detroit Red Wings, which is, you know, the Russian five era. And the 2018-2019 Tampa Bay Lightning, who finished with 319 goals. The Panthers are going to score more than five goals in their last seven games of the season. So basically from the dead puck era to today, there's one team in NHL history that has a better offense 
than the Panthers. And that's one of the best teams of all time. Wagon. David, have you been confronted with this like comparison? Because we're, we're starting to see it even more than we had seen it before to the 2018-19 Lightning, who obviously won the President's Trophy best regular season in the cap era and then got swept in the first round. Have I, 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 I think everyone is like, just, you, what do you mean by confronted by it? Just like, have like, are people talking about it or like, yeah, are, people, are people talking about it? Have you thought about it from a professional capacity? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've definitely started thinking about it. Right. Because it's like, what do you, you know, I, I don't expect it to happen. It's very unusual. Right. But um, it's not unheard of in hockey. And I, again, like when we're talking about where, where South Florida is still learning about hockey, I don't know if South Florida is prepared for the potential. Again, it's like a less than, <laughs> five percent chance probably or something that it happened but you know it's not nothing yeah i mean i it it would be the thing is so i if if they melt down in the first round or lose in the first round the one thing is that it's not like this is the end i don't think right i think they can kind of do the lightning thing where they sort of run it back basically because pretty much everyone is under contract everyone who matters essentially is under contract through next year except for the trade deadline acquisitions um and mason marchment so you can pretty much run it back um now is that going to be satisfying to people that if they lose in the first round for the second straight year after the two best regular seasons in franchise history is it going to be satisfying to say all right we're just going to take a third swing at it i don't know but i i kind of feel like it would be the smart thing to do just because hockey playoffs can be so fluky i don't and the lightning last year were better than the Panthers. I think uh, once they were back to full strength. So it's not, they got upset, I guess, technically, but like, I don't know that that was the, those were the two of the three or four best teams in the league that just happened to play in the first round. So, yeah, I mean, I, I've thought about it a little bit. Like, I don't know what I'm going to write, but uh, it would be a, a uh, quite the ending, but again, I, I'm not expecting, I think they're too good. And I, and I trust, the goalies and the defense enough, right? That's everyone's like everyone I want to talk, who I talk about. Everyone wants to talk about the Panthers with me who knows I cover the Panthers because, you know, they're fascinated by it. It's like the first time this has ever been a thing. And everything one wants to talk about either the goalies or Bruno in the weird situation where he's been the interim coach all season long. And I worry, I think less about the goalies than most people do, but maybe I'm naive. Mm-hmm. The, the goaltending is one substantial difference between this team and the 2018-19 Lightning, where a normally true. reliable Andre Vasilevsky blew up. The kind of weird dichotomy about that team is that it was not a remarkably good possession team, whereas you see a lot of the dominant teams uh, tend to be dominant in, in possession stats, like the LA Kings that won the two Stanley Cups. They were mm-hmm. towards the top of the league in possession stats that uh that season and the the lightning really weren't they were like seventh in Corsi, i think but at the same time they had top five defensive metrics so everybody's talking about or, or at least like when you see this comparison trotted out it's that oh the the 2018-19 lightning were this freewheeling scoring team but in the playoffs they couldn't defend they gave up fewer goals than the blues who ended up winning the cup Albeit it was by one, but look, it's technically true. They gave up fewer goals than the blues. Yeah. And I, I think this team, like, and again, like, I just don't think they're, they, they play defense so differently than everyone else. Right. They literally, like, they really have bought into the idea that the best defense is a good offense where they're just forechecking like crazy. And like, you know, they're going to get beat with some breakaways and some two on ones and stuff like that. Like that's just how they're designed. Um, or that's the, the, like the, 
the trade-off they make by playing this high pressure system. But again, like we're saying, like if scoring is up across the league, maybe they're on the cutting edge here. And maybe this is the way that for the next 20 years, you're going to want to win hockey games. It kind of like, like I said, no one plays quite like them. Um, and that is like a testament to the way they've kind of built their roster. And I think just the strategy they, they employ. And David, you kind of hit the nail on the head that the Panthers do give some odd, up some odd man rushes. And I think that's why you're seeing the less informed people or people who don't watch the Panthers that often say, oh, their defense isn't good. But the difference between the Panthers and like you said, they play a different style than anyone else. And those other teams that just trade chances is for every two on one or three on two or breakaway, the Panthers give up they generate three or four of their own. So yeah, they give up some chances every once in a while and they need to rely on Bob or Spencer to bail them out. But when you're creating so many scoring chances of your own, who gives a shit? Yeah, it's definitely been like, that's the one thing for the last, well, I think they've allowed five goals in their last four games. And if you just like look at the like high danger chances numbers, they're like been holding teams below their, their season <laughs> average. Um, so like that, it's been the focus definitely over the last week or basically since that, that, I mean, they've been talking about it before, but basically since that Leafs game where they needed the the second four goal comeback, it's been, <laughs> it's been, uh, I think a, a little bit more structured as the hockey coach would say. Um, and, you know, I think like, I, I, I've, I've liked most of what I've seen from the new defenseman, but I think a little earlier, like I, I think Ben Sherratt was trying to do a little bit too much of an Aaron Ekblad impression there for a little while. And that's just like, not his game, not what he's there for. I think just as those guys have, you know, like it's, you show up in the Panthers, you watch the way their defensive play. You want to be part of that. You want to be like scoring yeah. goals and all that kind of stuff. I kind of feel like everyone's like kind of settled back into their roles in the, the month <laughs> since the trade deadline here. Yeah. And uh, there, there's one other very significant difference, I think, between this year's Panthers and uh, that that President's Trophy winning Lightning team. It's escaping, but can someone, uh, anyone just remind me, who was the goalie that, that swept them? <laughs> oh, Russian dude, Russian dude. Yeah. Uh, Two Veznes. You know, it's it's escaping to it is, but, but I just I just don't think that that's going to be a problem. That, that, <laughs> that, that specific situation is really going to be a problem for the Panthers. This year. They definitely won't be playing against Sergei Bobrovsky. That is guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, they might be, just not in the way uh, that Tampa <laughs> Well, knock on wood. Anyway, I, I, I wanted to transition here into talking about we've got two weeks left of the regular season, and everybody will say, you know, nothing's guaranteed yet. We want to fight for every point. But the Panthers are – essentially locked into top spot in the Eastern conference and second place in the president's trophy race. So from your vantage point, what do you think that they're looking to accomplish with these last, I think it's six regular season games where they don't really have anything tangible to play for. Yeah. It's going to be interesting because they, I think they can clinch the top spot as soon as Thursday, if they win the next two and the Leafs lose on Tuesday, I don't know when if they play next after that, but they're like the magic number is down to three. So yeah, it, it's, you know, I, I, we've kept asking. I don't think they totally know the plan yet. Like in terms of like, who are you going to rest all that kind of stuff? I think it's just going to be still that focus on defense. I think they're really happy with the way they've defended the last couple of games. You know, the, the new line they've been repeating basically is like, we know we're going to score essentially like, you know, it, it what was the, the stat we said they've scored more than six, more times than they've been held under three. So like, uh, you know, they're going to score. I think they're, 
they are i think i think the focus is just gonna it's gonna be on defense and, and not giving up some of those odd man rushes and that kind of stuff playing the way i think they like like i said i think they like the way they've played in the four or five games since that leafs game and i, I think they're going to kind of try to keep this up um you know i know they, they say bobrovsky's going to be the goalie no matter what they kind of you know i'm sure they're both bob and, and knight are going to get a couple of starts here down the stretch they got to figure out exactly what they're going to what the goalie plan is going to be if if they're going to pivot off their current plan um but yeah other than that i think they're going to try to stay healthy i i I haven't asked really yet if they care about the president's trophy because they do have a shot, right? They're two points back with seven to play. I think both teams have seven to play. I think the avalanche would have the tie break, most of the tiebreakers. Um, but you know, it's, it's far off, but the Panthers are so good on home ice. Like you'd think they'd like to have home ice for as many series as possible. So I, I think the focus is going to be defense based on what they're saying. I think it makes sense. But yeah, otherwise it's, you know, they're, they're going to have a week and a half left with nothing to play for basically. Well, there's, uh, there's one player in particular, I think, who has something to play for here uh, in these last seven games. Uh, and uh, Jonathan Huberto's name has been thrown around in Art Ross conversations. Uh, what, where do you fall on that, David? Because there are some other worthy contenders and there's a huge debate on social media over uh, over whether or not Jonathan Huberdeau is actually deserving of the uh, well, of the Hart Trophy. So how do you how do you feel okay. uh, about that uh, about that debate? Did I say um, our Ross at first? Yeah, you yeah, did. Yeah. All right, whatever. There's not a lot of debate in the end on that one, but um, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I I have a hard time imagining he's going to win. I, you know, I don't watch enough of. I, I haven't watched enough Oilers this year. Like, you know, I'm watching the Panthers every other night or whatever, and you know, helping out with that. Like, I, I just don't have time to watch the same amount of hockey as most, like as voters do necessarily. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of think Alexander Barkov is the best player on the Panthers still. Like I know obviously huberto has got the numbers, but I don't know, you know, he's going to finish top five, I would guess. And that, that sounds about right. I think, I mean, McDavid's obviously awesome. Austin Matthews is like one of those rare hockey players who when you see him in person is just like on, I think, think a different level than even when you see him on tv so you know he could finish yeah i guess good Goudreau is is going to be up there now he's been on a tear in the second half of the season like you know if, if huberto finishes fourth or fifth something around there i mean we'll see how he finishes obviously um you know if he finishes with the league lead in points maybe that'll get him into the top three but um you know i, I think four or five like he's one of the five or six most deserving guys like i think it makes sense where he's probably going to wind up Mm-hmm. Again, so I, with the right. caveat, I don't watch all these guys every night like I watch it. <laughs> so speaking of I don't watch, I don't typically watch the <laughs> press conferences. So maybe this is a point where you can kind of like ascertain this. Maybe it's some other way you can try to figure it out. Do you think that he's going for the Art Ross? Do you think that he's like cognizant of where number one, if it's McDavid or some other guy uh, is in terms of points and like knows that he's got to get there or? I don't think he knows the exact number. I think he know my sense. Again, I haven't asked him like specifically. Mm-hmm. That'll be a question for next week. When we have nothing else to write about because they're just coasting. <laughs> but um, I think he knows he's in the. Uh, he's like right there. He knows he's. I don't think. Well, I think he's two back right now of yeah. David. Like, I don't think he would be able to tell you that. But he knows, like you know, when he was out there, they were they were trying to get him as many points as they could the other night when he and Forsling were out there at the end of the game. They wanted one of them to get the hat trick. They wanted. Huberto to get an assist on Forsling's hat trick if he could like you know he knows he's in the hunt for it um but yeah and he knows he 
that piling up points will help, but I don't think he is like, it's not who, what's, is it David Robinson once, right? Who like knew he needed like 68 points in the last game of the NBA season to get the scoring title. So they were intentionally fouling to get him extra possessions. Yeah. I think it I was think, him. I, think I don't that think, was him. I don't think the Panthers are going to do that, but um, yeah, I mean, I think he's going for it in the, like whatever sense you can, you know, they haven't had an empty net in a while. So it's hard to like pad stats. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, um, <laughs> Suffering but, from success. I know, really. I, I, like, I, you know, the two games in a row have been blowouts. It's been hard to get him the, the freebie there at the end. Like, I think they'd be trying to do that if they could. And just uh, as a as a quick update, it is exactly two. McDavid sitting at top with one ten, Huberto at one hundred eight. Yeah. Uh, but here's the fun part: uh, the Panthers have a game in hand on Edmonton. Yes, they so do. We were talking about this in the before the press conference the other night. It uh, still puts Huberto slightly off the pace, I think, because um, he's averaging like one point something points per game. A good but, game uh, tomorrow against the Islanders, though. And that but then could McDavid didn't quickly. score. He didn't have a point a couple of nights ago when they won like four, nothing. And then Huberto didn't score a point the other night when it was six, it was like he had his chance and he kind of missed it. I would circle that Red Wings game on Thursday. We're talking about a team that's given up 11. That's given up 10. That's given up nine, eight. Should I go on? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it was a little bit of a failure on the Panthers in the part that they didn't score 12 on Detroit yesterday. Yeah. Bummer. <laughs> By the way, am I crazy or have all the games against Detroit been ESPN exclusive, ESPN Plus exclusive? So far, games? yes, they have. I don't know about random. that fourth. It is kind of strange. Oh, yeah. No, the one on Thursday is too. Yeah, the one yeah. on Thursday is ESPN. Oh, yeah. my God. Wow. <laughs> the, the grudge match was just too tantalizing. For Division to... rivalry. Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Well, David, thank you so much for taking some time to join us. I think that we've kind of alluded to where people can find you, but why don't we just throw it right out there, give them the URL Feed it to them in a, in a spoon. You know, here comes the airplane to a baby, yeah. basically. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DV Wilson too. I tweet out pretty much everything I write there. Um, or you can do it uh, the old-fashioned way by subscribing to the Miami Herald. Uh, maybe you can get a newspaper with your morning coffee if you live in South Florida. Or you can just go to MiamiHerald.com um, slash sports and click on that Panthers tab. And pretty much everything there will be written by me, Jordan Actually, Jordan McPherson will be filling in for a couple of days next week. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I, I think we do pretty good coverage. So read it. Oh, no doubt. I've definitely been very, uh, very pleased with the, all the work that you do. And I thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Um, and it's, it's been fun to have a hockey team that people in South Florida care about a little bit. That is for sure. I go enjoy Better Call Saul. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.